Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. So I've already done this intro once, but I talked about some things that might get some people's blood a-boiling, and it was basically about the argument of technician versus techie. If you want to see how I feel about it, you can, if you're, if you haven't seen it already, the Technical Theater Educators page on Facebook, which posts this kind of conversation almost every six weeks or so, it feels like, about how we shouldn't call our high school theater kids techies or uh, the people that say we can call them techies. Um, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous, ridiculous argument. And there are people out there that say, well, we need to respect these kids and call them technicians and such. And, uh, well, you can read what I have to think about it on that technical theater educators web page. But I decided to re-record the intro because well, I didn't want to slander BK Goodman's episode. This is his episode. It is about BK Goodman, who is your chair for the State Thespian Festival. And I got to say, you know, when we split off into a couple of boards last year, or a few boards last year, I believe it was a year ago, maybe two years ago now, but uh, when we split off into those boards, BK was the obvious choice for uh, the head of the State Festival Board. And the dude just leads with energy. I mean, it's it's crazy. I, I don't know if I've ever seen or heard BK either say he's tired or even act tired. Uh, he just has this crazy amount of energy. He's probably one of those Vince McMahon type people that sleeps for two hours and then gets up and uh, goes about his day. And then uh, 22 hours later, he goes back to sleep for two hours. We didn't get into all that. So BK, I'm assuming you're listening or your mom is listening or something. That is not a your mom joke. His, his mom, he told me his mom was going to listen. Uh, but if you are listening, you know, maybe uh, give me a text and let me know. Do you only sleep two hours a day? Because you, you're one of those guys. You just seem like one of those high energy, uh, just kind of always on types of guys. So uh, get to know BK Goodman a little bit with this episode. I do want to talk about a couple things because we finally went back to teaching this week in Fort Bend. We, we did a full-time, we are full-time virtual. And I have to say, and I'm not doing this because I am uh, friendly with my superintendent. I'm not doing this because I know people in high places in my district, um, which I do. <laughs> um, I'm doing this, I'm saying this because I believe it. I truly believe it. And I've even talked with quite a few people in our district that Fort Bend is handling this, excuse me, Fort Bend is handling this better than it any other district seems to be handling this. And whether if that means I'm not going to get hired in another district as a teacher, so be it. But I, I can't say enough positive things about how Fort Bend has handled this. Yes, there are a couple things that in hindsight, I'm sure they think we could have probably done this a different or better way. But for what was rolled out in the amount of time that it was rolled out and the effectiveness and how just uh, successful it was for the majority of people. I'm not trying to discount those people that did have issues. Fort Bend did an amazing job. And kudos also to Microsoft Teams because I, I'm not going to lie, the Friday before, you know, when everybody's signing off on Friday for their final little PD or their final meetings or their final PLCs or whatever it was, we're all saying to ourselves, well, we probably won't ever be on Teams ever again because once we introduce 10 or thousand, tens of thousands of people on teams, it's probably going to crash. And it didn't. There were a couple of hiccups, but, you know, it was not that bad at all. I actually had, throughout the entire week, I had probably 95% of my students show up the entire time. Um, so it was great. And I will say that online teaching is not sustainable. It is not going to work for elementary school kids. It's definitely, most definitely not going to work for kids that can't read Yet, first graders, second graders to an extent, I mean, it's mostly just first graders and kindergartners. Those kids, I don't, I can't imagine being a parent of that age right now and trying to do online schooling. My youngest is in daycare. Ava can read and has been able to read since she was born. It's just some weird skill that she had. It's her, it's her mutation. Uh, but she's able to read, so she's really able to do a lot. And so I haven't had to struggle with Ava, uh, neither has Jennifer. 
she has had technology issues and that's something she can't control and she has interrupted our classes but you got to do what you got to do uh family first right especially the, the old saying goes in online learning family first right am i right so online teaching not too too bad again we're not in the meat of things with that yet but uh so far so good with fort ben uh i do believe uh and i and i talked about this with a couple of people um and then i'll get to the interview I do believe that Tech One, if it is not uh, sandwiched between a Theater One class and an Advanced Tech class, it becomes a, well, the sandwich has nothing to do with it, really. If, if Theater One is not a prereq for Tech One, then Tech One becomes the ultimate dumping ground for all of the counselors. And I say this because Art One the kids are going to say, I can't draw. I don't know how to draw or paint. Me. And then when they say, well, we'll put you in theater one. Well, I don't know how to act. I'm shy. I'm introverted. I don't want to do that. Okay, we'll put you in tech one. We don't have, uh, we have no clue what's in that class or what happens in that class. All we know is that you don't have to paint. You don't have to draw. You don't have to act or in, uh, interact with anyone. That's the perception. Um, when I was at Dulles, Theater One was a prereq for Tech One, and I'm going to do everything in my power, when I tell you everything in my power, everything in my power to make the state mandate that Tech, or excuse me, that Theater One is a prerequisite for every other theater class. And I say that again because you have to trust the kids when they are using power tools, when they are in predicaments that uh, other kids that you don't necessarily trust are in, if they're holding something for you, simply holding something for you, if they're even painting the stage, you have to be able to trust these kids. And if you have kids that haven't been vetted through the Theater One system, and they are freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors in Tech One, and they've never taken a theater class, that is a safety hazard beyond limitation. And that's just my opinion, although I'm right. Uh, so, you know, holla if you hear me. That's the old Scott Steiner saying, uh, my, uh, the big bad booty daddy, Scott Steiner. Um, that is what he actually called himself. I think it's trademarked. So I hope he doesn't come after me. Anyway, uh, enough about all that, enough complaining. The original intro, if you must, was actually 10 minutes long. This is going to be under eight. You're welcome, BK and BK's mother. Uh, so please enjoy the high energy the uh, fun-loving, the scholarship-announcing B.K. Goodman. Well, uh, I guess to start, I grew up in Denison, Texas, which is the last town in Texas all the way up Highway 75 before you get to Oklahoma. Uh, I lived in Denison pretty much my entire life. I went to Denison High School. I was actually the mascot uh, at Denison High School my senior year. So it's a small town. Uh, there's not a lot to do, but there is a lot that you could get in trouble for doing. And so I kind of toted that line, <laughs> which was uh, always an interesting uh, process. But, you know, went to elementary school, high school, everything through that program. And then actually after I graduated college, um, I went back and taught there for a couple of years. So that's uh, my hometown. Um, I've got a mom, a brother, and a sister. So we're a pretty tight-knit family. We're all about five years apart, the siblings are, so we all feel like we're only children. <laughs> and I think now that we've become professional adults, it shows that we have that mindset. But, you know, having brothers and sisters that are younger than you gives you some advantages and disadvantages. But right now we're all still pretty close. My brother's a realtor. My sister works uh, through a special needs environment that does rehabilitation at summer camps. And uh, my mom works for Caterpillar. So family life is pretty tight-knit, but we're also kind of boring. We just do our things, work hard, hang out. But uh, Denison, Texas, man, that, that was the place to be. We had all kinds of fun stuff when I was in high school. Amy Jordan was actually my theater director. Uh, I met her my sophomore year of high school, and we have been thick as thieves ever since. <laughs> So that's right. kind of how I got wrapped into the uh, the theater world is I was initially a band kid. And so I played five or six different instruments. I was a drum major. And then I saw their production of um, Rumors. 
that they did, and there was like this giant set with two stories and lots of doors, and it was hilarious. I was like, man, I want to do that. And so I auditioned for an Alice in Wonderland production. Um, looking back at the pictures now, it was uh, there were choices that were made, and I, I have to applaud uh, Denison for up in their game over the years. <laughs> yeah. Looking back at where it started, man, it was rough, but we had fun, and that was the that was the cool part. I made lifelong friends uh, in that theater program, all from you know playing the White Knight, and I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but somehow I ended up in musicals. And really enjoyed them, but I had no space uh, to be singing on stage. And I, as an adult, can admit that now. <laughs> you don't want me to sing for you. Yeah. Well, I might make you do that in a second. But anyway, continue. <laughs> so that was high school. Um, like I said, I was in band, and then I was like, I'm going to do this theater thing. And so um, it kind of set me on a path. And then I met Tal Lestraco at a one-act play contest my junior year. And that man completely set me on a path uh, for success because he's like, you need to be a teacher. You need to come to school for me. Uh, I'm at Trinity Valley. You need to come out there and he'd wag his finger in between cigarette takes. And uh, <laughs> he talked me into it. So my senior year, I auditioned and got in and moved to Athens, Texas. And then <clears throat> from there, I just met all of these amazing people. Uh, I one time actually cooked dinner for Paula Rodriguez. Uh, it was orange chicken. It was pretty good. It was the first time I met her. And so every time I see her now, like, it's just a nice little moment. But uh, through Tao, man, like, that's where I got my passion for theater uh, and directing and prose and poetry and uh, being a teacher. And I met some amazing uh, professors kind of along the way uh, through that. And so when I left Trinity Valley, I ended up at Southeastern Oklahoma State University in Durant, Oklahoma. We were the savage storm. Uh, and so I went up there and I had done cheerleading all through my summer breaks. I was a mascot instructor and a cheerleading coach for the National Cheerleading Association. And so uh, one of the benefits of going to Southeastern, not only could I live in Denison and commute, but uh, also I was scholarshiped in um, because I was the cheerleading coach there for two years. So I was doing classes, uh, working full time as a bartender and coaching cheerleading. And uh, it was a fun college experience, but it was definitely, I went in with a list and a plan. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. I knew that I wanted to direct and choreograph and do technical theater. <clears throat> and so I got in and out as fast as I could so I could get certified. And uh, it happened. You know, I got certified, got hired on by Denison. Uh, my first year teaching, it was so crazy because I would teach speech, a section of speech in a portable. And then I would go into the main building and teach a, a session of technical theater on my conference period we had a musical theater class so i would do that and then i would take my lunch and then travel to one of the seven elementary schools and teach elementary music to that campus um, by grade level that week so rotated through seven different elementary schools teaching um, elementary music and then leaving that going to cheerleading practice until a certain time and then leaving cheerleading practice to go into uh, rehearsals. And it was crazy. But for two years, I got to see so many kids benefit from what we were able to give them um, through, you know, this elementary music program. And then also watching those kids audition for plays and be a part of the high school program. It was a, it was a really cool community uh, to work in. So I did that, and then um, it was one of those I need to spread my wings kind of moments. So I told Amy, I was like, hey, you know, I need to go do what I can do and see what I can come up with. And uh, so I moved, and I taught in Mesquite uh, for a couple of years. And then I lived in Dallas and commuted back and forth, and it was really great. Um, my best friend at the time was my roommate, so it was really, uh, really fun sharing that condo with him. Um, and then moved to Temple and taught with Natasha Tolleson for a couple of years. Uh, that was the most intense three years uh, I've experienced, but it was the most beneficial because the way that she just crafts everything together, it's a, it's a beautiful artistic science. And I, a lot of the design aesthetic that I look for now or the way that I try and operate my theater programs were kind of based off of the way that she ran hers. And so um, did Temple for a little bit, 
And then I was going to go back to school full time uh, to get my master's degree, but uh, that kind of fell through with timing and, um, you know, housing. And so I uh, took a job working in Magnolia with Rod Sheffield, uh, and we were together uh, a year there. And then the Morton Ranch job in Katy opened up with Troy. So I interviewed and got that job. And then a week later, he was like, so, hey, uh, <laughs> I got this other job, and it's my dream admin job, and I'm going to take it. So congratulations. Here are the keys. And um, I frantically called somebody, and she said yes. And that's how I met uh, or started working with uh, Alexis Getty. Um, I'd actually met her working at South Camp when I was uh, doing designs uh, for their summer theater camp. She was a graduate of the program and our production manager, and she was amazing. And so I called her. I was like, hey, do you want to come teach at the high school level? And the next week we got on the call. She got interviewed, and it was a done deal. So that's kind of my very fast trajectory yeah. to my current location. That's great. I yeah. talk fast, so no, if I no, go no. too fast, let me know. That's perfect. Uh, uh, and, and now currently, as you can probably say, I mean, you've said it on social media, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm now uh, the regional director of operations for Bass AVL yeah. Houston. Yeah, which so is great. So I got with Mark Bass and talked him into – setting up something down here in the Houston area and he went for it. So we're going, he took the bait rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he, he's got, he's got a lot of contacts all over the state. And I think, you know, it, it was, it's, it's good for him to be able to branch out um, because of the, the service he provides. And the thing that I like most about Mark and I've known him since I was in high school. Yeah. So I actually worked for him when I was in college. Um, I would help with, you know, doing forms and shop stuff and taking care of the office. Um, but it, it's just, I don't know. It's the, the personal connection that Bass ABL gives you. Um, you feel like they're listening to you. They're helping you. They're there for the right reasons. You're not just a number or a sale. Um, right. You know, you're, you're, you're a client that we hope will have long-term retention. So um, that's what I like about the company. And when he said that he was interested in doing something down here, it all just kind of lined up. And uh, really excited about it. It's, yeah. it's going really well so far. Um, I think everybody was really concerned um, for any profession uh, when all of this COVIDness happened. But um, you know, schools are still trying to rock and roll and take care of some of their bonds and things that they've you know planned out over the years. And then you know, sales are also coming in because people are trying to get ready for the fall. So yeah, it's going. So I. I'm excited to start helping some teachers. Yeah, it's like uh, they're they're planning for the uh, unexpected with the knowledge of what they have experienced in the past. Which so they they don't know they're they're gathering everything. It's an emergency kit. So, you know, break break for emergency. But hopefully, it's filled with spike tape and gaff tape and lamps and you know all kinds of and gels. If people use gels still, right? <laughs> well, and you know, even things like if you know that you're going to have to be teaching from home or mm -hmm. you're teaching in your classroom, you know, we've got uh, a couple of vendors that have some plug and play microphones that right. are, you know, pretty high quality. Right. And so you can just plug it in and take it where you need to go. So that way your kids still get the same experience regardless of your location. So, um, yeah, we're, I mean, the emergency kit and also looking at how can we help? Um, yeah. right. I think everybody's in that position now of like, we know what the challenges are. How can we meet those challenges, um, with solutions that are, fair and equitable and also affordable. Yeah. And I mean, not to make this all about, uh, bats, but, uh, also to vouch for him a little bit, but he, he's, uh, uh, he's not shy about being passionate about helping out education, whether that's the student or the teacher, uh, or the administrator for that matter. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's very, very passionate about making sure tomorrow is taken care of. So, and, and yeah. that's, that that's to be commended. So, uh, so I, I've got a, a couple questions. So there, there's a there's a common connection amongst amongst other things. We have a common connection of Morton Ranch. Um, yes. Uh, and so I, you know, I spent two years there. So we're both proud former Purple Mavericks. Um, which go Purple Cows. Go Purple Cows. See them all over the place out on these prairies. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, my time at Morton Ranch is similar to your time in Temple in that. We were teaching with two 
legends or, you know, I was, I wasn't teaching with two legends. You were teaching with a legend and I was teaching with a legend. And probably if I can put words in your mouth, we probably didn't realize exactly how much impact they had on us until we weren't with them anymore. Um, uh, cause I know for a fact, you know, I knew that, you know, I was aware that Pam Wilson was the great and powerful, uh, but I wasn't aware of how much impact she had on me until I was not with Pam Wilson anymore. And I start doing things, you know, it's kind of like when you get older, you're like, oh, I'll never be like my dad. And then you start saying and doing things and you're like, oh man, <laughs> I'm just like my dad. Uh, it's the, it was yeah. the same thing for me. I was like, oh, I, I just, you know, I would not have known how to do this if it wasn't for uh, the knowledge that I got from Pam Wilson. And I assume it's probably very similar with what you got from Natasha uh, while in Temple. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was one of those in the moment you were just kind of completely consumed by the artistic chaos. And then in one fell swoop, it came together and then you just step back and went, wow, we did that. And it was really great because we were a challenge for each other. Um, and so you know, she would come up with an idea and I'd find a solution or I'd have an idea and she'd come up with a solution. But working through it um, with that type of dynamic partnership, really, uh, like you said, you, you feel that effect long after, um, you know, the collaboration stops. And I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for the people yeah. that I've met through this, especially in theater, as well as people I've worked with. Um, because I think every interaction that you can have with someone that helps build artistry is a value that you get to share with everyone else. Right. Um, even the, even the good experiences and the bad experiences, because, you know, we're teachers, you have to learn from everything. You have to adapt and, you know, um, what is it? Uh, tuck and roll yeah. and just go with it. Yeah. Um, and working with people like Pam Wilson and Natasha Tolleson and Rod Sheffield, like they had this down to an art form. And so just to kind of peek in and be a part of that process was, you know, invaluable. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel you, man. And, and it's and when you start working with people like Pam and Natasha, they know they're like, this is how it's going to be. This is what we're going to do. And then you just stand back and on go, wow. I that also, was it. there it is. Yeah. I also feel like there was an element of Pam and, and, you know, I'm, I'm very tight with Pam now, but back then I, I, I was kind of a cocky kid and I thought now I'm a cocky adult, but I, I kind of feel like, um, back then, she knew how much knowledge she was instilling on me, but wanted me to figure it out myself, <laughs> you know, like, like Just pat me on the head. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's funny. And then another connection that we have that I did not realize, uh, you said you started in Mesquite, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, my wife, uh, is from and graduated from Mesquite high school, the proud Skeeters, uh, 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 you know, the, the fighting mosquitoes, if you will. Um, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, no question on that one. Just, I just thought I'd throw that out there, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I was at, uh, we were at John Horn high school. Okay. Um, and we were the Jaguars, but I do, um, I do remember going through Mesquite high school for in services and trainings and stuff. And, yeah. you know, a good friend of mine, Jim McCoy, uh, yeah. was the teacher there for a long time. So, yeah. But yeah, man, Mesquite—that's that's a place. Yeah, it is, it that's is a big place. It is a big place. It's it's deceivingly big. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a that's a fun little town over just east of Dallas. But so, I, questions about you as a, you know, I didn't, I, I can see it now. I can I can picture BK knowing you, uh, for the few years that I've known you. But as the mascot, so uh, did you have to audition, or were you uh, just kind of? put into that role because you're, you're a high energy guy. Um, uh, you, you talk with your hands, which is very mascotty. Uh, so, yeah. uh, were you, were you just kind of put into that or, or, or asked to be asked? Did I just ask? Uh, you did. You yeah, asked me about I just it. Asked. I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> but did, were, you know, were so, you, were you told, yeah, tell me about that. Okay. So we had a mascot. Her name was Rosanna Butler. She's now Rosanna Pilcher. Um, she used to teach in uh, Denison. She also taught in Pottsboro. I think now she's one of those uh, champion moms um, 
And so she was the mascot and she lived like literally right down the street from me. And so I got wrapped in while she was still the mascot. Um, and she asked me to be in some of her skits. And so we're both theater people. We live down the street from each other. It was like a match made in heaven. And we both have this super Saiyan energy all the time. And so I kind of helped her uh, through her senior year with the skits that she was doing. And then auditions uh, or tryouts did come up. So I had to audition um, against some pretty stiff competition. Um, and so I, I submitted my video and you have to go through an interview process with the cheerleading coaches and the captains have to talk to you and there's some team building activities. Um, and then they announced the mascot position uh, and it was me. So every <laughs> Friday night I was in a giant 60 pound muscled uh, padded yellow jacket. Um, and it was, I had to change clothes every quarter because yeah. of the sweat yeah. just dripping out of your body. And I would have to take this thing home and wash it in the bathtub um, as soon as the game was over. So that way it would be dry by the JV game on the Thursday following the last use wow. um, just because it was so like big and heavy, but I had wings and I had like these awesome antenna that stuck over the top and would move. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, and so through that, uh, we went to cheerleading camp and they have a special section at NCA cheerleading camp for mascots. And so you kind of go through the process of like what it means to be a mascot, how to create skits, how to engage your audience, that type of thing. Uh, and I guess I was doing great work uh, because at the end of the camp, they're like, hey, we'd like for you to be a mascot instructor next summer if you want to join our team. And I did. And so I worked for that company uh, for like six years. And we would travel throughout the summer to different uh, college and high school campuses teaching cheerleading and mascotting. Wow. That's fun. That's kind of yeah. one of those, that's, that's kind of one of those, uh, jobs you don't think exists. And, but when you find out it does, it's like, wow, that's kind of cool. That's <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, there was like one point, like the, um, uh, I wanted Indiana Colts mm -hmm. sports team, right? Indianapolis yeah. Colts. So yeah. they were Indianapolis Colts. Yes. Um, they were having auditions for their mascot and I was about a week away from submitting my, uh, video and then I decided to go the theater route for college. And so I could have maybe possibly been a professional mascot, but I wouldn't be where I am today. But I definitely thought about it. That's um, so my my short history with mascots is one. I, I knew the guy who played Junction Jack and then transitioned into orbit at, at uh, Minute Maid Park. But uh, I the, speaking of Indianapolis Colts, it's kind of small world, but. He's one of the few mascots that I met outside of the costume um, because of my connection with Straight No Chaser, who are all, they're all connected to Indiana University. But uh, so there was some history with them and the Colts. So uh, that's funny. Um, again, small world. But so not to keep yeah. harping on your high school time, but I do want to ask you how you feel band, being in band, kind of prepared you for theater because I know that there's a lot of structure and there's, it's kind of not necessarily militaristic, but there is a lot of, you know, um, uh, the, the, the blocking for lack of better words of the marching and, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. What do you think? How do you think that kind of got you ready to be in this crazy world of theater and then becoming a, a director and technical director and all that stuff? Uh, I think, there, there's so many similarities that tie into it. And literally I was thinking about this the other day um, because I was going through and I was like, all right, so, you know, arts integration, how do these things connect? What is it that, you know, choir does that theater offers and they collaborate and kind of went on this like whole rabbit hole of thought. But um, one of the things I realized that helped me so much in high school and college um, with marching band is you have to memorize your music and you have to know your syncopation and your steps and where your transitionings are on the field and what your uh, volume level is. And so you have all of these working parts that you as the musician have to control and also maintain uh, with a larger group. And so when it came to like choreography or blocking or you know staging, um, it was something that just kind of inertly came. Um, and I've noticed as a teacher, if I have students who are in marching band or have been a part of that process, they're a little bit more comfortable in the transition of things on stage versus a student who 
may not have participated in that type of, um, you know, structured performance through like marching band. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that, I think that's one of the elements that's there. I think it's also, you know, like understanding rhythm and tempo, uh, and how you have to, you know, pull your audience in as a musician into, you know, leading up into it, having the climax and then this big fortissimo moment uh, there at the end, it kind of gives everybody chills. I think that's applicable to productions. You've got to have, you know, that, that dramatic structure in order to capture that audience and take them along with that story. So as a director, looking back on all of the things that I did uh, in band in high school, I was able to pull from that. And it also like made my working relationships with, that department um, easier because we both had an understanding of what is involved in creating something like a marching band performance or a, a full-on musical. Um, and, you know, the, the leadership side, I think, was there. I was a drum major uh, my sophomore and junior year, um, and that, that opportunity really pushed me forward into how to deal with conflict resolution among peers. Uh, and also, you know, to be held accountable for making sure I was on time and my grades were good and taking care of, you know, all of the things that you have to do in order to stay eligible. Um, and it was easy to kind of transition that philosophy of time and importance and attendance later on in life as an adult. Can you still so, a lot of things, actually? Can you, st- you yeah. say? <laughs> yeah. Can you still read music? So many. Uh, I can. I still can read music, but only in trouble class. Okay. I never quite. That means nothing to to me. Like, okay. So, um, most of your music, I think, is written in treble clef. And then you get to like the bass clef, which is like uh, a different arrangement of note placements. Okay. I'll take your word for it. So, yeah. But, um, (laughs) that's funny. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I I can 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 keep tempo. Okay. Good. Yeah. See? Yeah. yeah. You're one step ahead. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So, I, I think in sixth grade, I tried taking drum lessons and realized my feet and my hands don't like to uh, coordinate. So it wasn't going to work out for me. So um, yep. uh, at least not on a kit. So I, I could have been pretty good in marching band with maybe the bass drum, maybe just knocking it every every couple of beats. But uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be a rock and roll drummer by any means. Um, so keeping on the, you know, what have you learned from this? I want to talk to you about your sister because uh, you and I also share something. My sister's a social worker and uh, works a lot with um, students that have had trauma in their life. And, you know, all the way from a uh, parent passing away to even, you know, school shootings and things like that, uh, really acute things or really long drawn out, you know, a parent is dying of cancer, that kind of stuff. So she's, she's been involved with that for a long time and it has helped me as an educator sort of sympathize for kids and, um, sympathy is not necessarily my strongest characteristic, but your sister being kind of involved with, or not kind of being involved with special needs kids, how do you ever call on her? Do you ever go to her and say, Hey, how would you handle a situation like this or has it prepared you in any way when you were in the classroom? Did it help you kind of take care of situations? Cause I also know that you, um, and stop me if I'm speaking out of turn, but you, you really, uh, you embraced a special needs classroom, the inclusion classroom, um, <clears throat> at Morton ranch. I know that for sure. You may have done it before, but, uh, I know at Morton ranch you did. And so is that, is that kind of a, uh, just to carry over from kind of your sister's experiences and her profession? Um, well, I'm going to say I'm the oldest, so she's following me. She's following you. That's correct. <laughs> yes. And if she's listening to this, she might have a different opinion, right? <laughs> well, she just graduated college. Oh, okay. So okay. She, okay. She's going, but um, we did, we did spend a lot of time um, uh, talking through some processes and some things that she was experiencing um, at the camp she was working at, and now that she's graduating, um, she's going into a mentorship to work uh, with an organization that really specializes in some of these areas. Um, she did a lot of work with uh, equestrian training and how you can incorporate that into um, a special needs student's physical therapy. Interesting. Uh, so we talked uh, a lot of 
you know, small details about that and kind of how that process works. But the first time I saw a special needs theater class uh, was in Temple. Actually, it was a program that Natasha had started. Um, and I think Rod Sheffield also had a program around the same time that was growing. Uh, and I got to work with that class and it was, it was life-changing. It really was um, because I had theater students in that class that served as mentors for the, um, the special needs students. And so you got that one-on-one -on -one attention, but we would do all of the things that you would normally cover in a theater one classroom, um, games and activities and you know, getting to see the direct impact of, you know, understanding the rhythm of a song um, with a student who's, you know, learning different uh, and have them reach that moment of accomplishment. Uh, it was, it, it just changed your soul. Um, and so for me, it was always a passion of mine. And when I got to Mort Ranch, uh, it wasn't in existence. And so I was really grateful for the uh, administrators that helped make that come to life. And it, it was a joy every single year that we did it. Yeah, that's... and I think it's a it's 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 not only beneficial to your department because you you're inclusive, um, but also it gives those students that want to be potential future leaders, doctors, lawyers, you know, go getters. Um, it gives them that opportunity to kind of walk through some of that at a faster pace um, if they're like GT kids. So it was yeah. really great to see some of the students I've had over the past years go into education because that experience exposed them to their potential. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> I did work uh, with Dionysus Theater, which is uh, no longer around, but they, they were around for probably 20 years or so. But uh, and it was inclusion theater. And it was, yeah, it's, I mean, it's for, for many reasons, it's a valuable uh, commodity to the arts, but um, it's also just, it, it's good for your soul. I mean, it, it just, it just feels good when you're doing things. And the, the best part of it is when you forget who you're working with and it just becomes art. So, uh, I, right. I really enjoyed and it, that. And for me, it really takes it down to that. This is the purpose of theater. Yep. You know, this, this, this reference on life and this, you know, sharing of information and storytelling and creativity, um, it's it's just amazing because you get to see it on all levels sure. and so the impact that theater has on students from all walks of life all backgrounds um it's essential because yeah. it teaches not only you know skills and you know abilities but also it kind of cuts you down into that that human core element of connectedness and family so i think that's also a really um a strong attribute for having that inclusion type of class because it's beyond lines and costumes. Yep. It's that connection that you have with um, each other. Yep. Uh, yep. And it's also seeing those kids that uh, might be a little jaded, uh, see a face mm -hmm. light up that doesn't really understand what jaded is and they just appreciate every thing that's given to them. So uh, I, I like that as well. Um, so sticking around with s some of, some of that stuff as well. One, I got to get it, get this question out of the way. Who chose orange chicken? Um, <laughs> Oh, like, was maybe it you? I was, did. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> I think so. So Tao, Tao would travel all over the state. Yeah, like he right. would just hop in that Oldsmobile and go. Um, he usually had a driver and someone to keep him company, his entourage, Right. Uh, if you will. And so the P, the P Diddy travel. of uh, Texas theater. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like hustling. Yeah. Um, but occasionally there were times where he uh, would be going out of town or had to contest manager or whatnot. And then other people were traveling through. And so they'd stop over and stay at Tal's house. Uh, and I think he called me he's like, BK, Paula Rodriguez is coming. Cook something for dinner. Um, and so I was like, all right, what is she like? And I didn't know. And he didn't know. Uh, so I think I found stuff for orange chicken. Right. I don't know if it was any good. I couldn't remember. Right. Um, I was like, oh, it's, it's Paula Rodriguez. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but you know, that was like in 2004, right. so 16 years ago, I think. Yeah. Well, you, uh, I mean, you, I guess he did a good job. Nobody, I haven't heard any complaints. So, um, that's good. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I can make some orange chicken. <laughs> well, 16 years ago. I mean, don't get ahead of yourself. 16, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, but, my cooking has improved. Right. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, so, so Amy is a director, right? So, you, so she was your director. 
for most of the time you were in high school and yes. you, you, you know, now it, anybody can see it. You're, you're, you guys have clearly grown as, as friends and, uh, colleagues and such. What is, what is a carrot and, and one that you can share? What's a carrot that you can hold in front of Amy in a fun way and say, Hey, remember that time when you were my teacher and I was the student and this happened, um, uh, you know, I, I can, I can give a couple of examples of like, uh, I saw, you know, I saw them, I saw a director trip, you know, I saw when I was in high school, I saw one of them trip and fall and it was funny and everybody was fine, but it was like, don't you ever tell anybody that this happened? Um, uh, but one of those types of instances that, you know, Amy is, is one of the most like selfless, personable people that you could ever meet, but she holds this position of power that automatically makes her somebody that's untouchable in some people's eyes, you know? Uh, and she's been on this okay. podcast and we've talked about it. So what's, what's a way you can bring her down to earth, uh, as maybe like, you know, I, I remember this one time that Amy, she got, she got pain on her face and nobody told her the entire day <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, something um, fun like that. It was okay. So there's, there's so much like literally Amy has saved my life yeah. uh, multiple times. She's that like two thirty in the morning phone call. Like, sure. Amy, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and she'll stop what she'll doing and she'll drive to wherever you are yeah. uh, and make sure that you're good. Yeah. Um, so lots of stories there, but my favorite um, was actually our first trip to Texas Thespian Festival in Wichita Falls. Yeah. Uh, this was her first year taking a group of kids. We were the first group. We were rowdy. We were great. Um, but we got to festival. We did our festival thing. And on the way home, the bus stops working. And it's hot. And Amy Jordan doesn't do hot doesn't very do well. Hot, like, no. she, likes, <laughs> she likes to be air conditioned. There has to be a Diet Coke with ice available. Um, well, none of those things were in place. And so the bus stops working and we're trying to figure out how we're going to get home. We're three and a half hours away in Wichita Falls. Uh, a whole bunch of us are on the bus. And the solution uh, is that they're not sending another bus. You've got to figure out how to get that bus home. And what we had to do is she lifted up the carriage, you know, on the bus where you walk up the stairs. And then there's like this big bulbous area. And then to the left is the bus driver. Yeah. Well, on the older buses, if you open up that underneath carriage, you can get to the accelerator press uh, on the engine. So she drove home with a broom accelerating and de-accelerating <laughs> the bus for three and a half hours all the way home from Thespian Festival until we got that bus back into the parking lot. And then that was it. That was done. That's she was awesome. finished. Her cheeks were bright red. She was mad. We were all mad, but she was a trooper, man. She went through it and she, she held that, uh, you know, accelerator down and got us all the way home. But, you know, it's just one of those crazy things that those moments happen with your theater teachers and you never forget them. Right. So, yep. You got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily an embarrassing story yeah. or like a carrot. Yeah. I don't want to divulge too much information. Sure. But yeah, sure. <laughs> that bus ride was a bus ride to remember. <laughs> what, uh, what are you going to, you know, miss about the classroom and about education? And I know in your position, one of the positive things is you're going to be able to enter a lot of schools and enter a lot of classrooms and give back in a way, but you won't have the, the, the same kids 180 days and uh, doing productions and stuff like that. So what's something or some things that you're going to miss from being in the classroom? Uh, mostly it's going to be the students. Uh, ultimately, I mean, that's, that's going to be something that, um, and obviously was a, a hard decision to make. Um, but fortunately with, the position I'm in now with Fast ADL, uh, also with Texas Thespians and with Morton Ranch, uh, I'm still on their booster club. So we, we still get to have that interaction. I still get to be uh, there and participate with the productions. Um, and also with Texas Thespians working with Nicole Morgan and the state Thespian officers, that is a fire filling environment. Um, every yeah. time I get in a call with them, they're you know, coming up with exciting ideas and creative solutions. And it just kind of re-energizes you. Um, and so for me, I'm going to miss that kid interaction from having like that day-to-day -day conversation with students. But I also know that I have the ability now to 
reach many more students than what I would have had just in my classroom. Right. Um, and so that, that was kind of the, the weighted scale of, you know, do I want to go ahead and continue teaching for a while or do I want to adventure into this world? Because, you know, the planet's kind of aligned um, with this job. And so I definitely wanted to explore it and get it running and off the ground. Um, I don't know if this is my forever position. Uh, and I could potentially see myself going back into the classroom, hopefully. Um, and so it's just the kids would be yeah. probably the, the part I'm going to miss the most. Um, and some of the things I'm not going to miss uh, are also things that I'm able to now help fix uh, from a community member standpoint and also uh, a professional member's standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I but get the that. Kids, man, yeah, they the tell kids. some great stories. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes they don't realize it. Yeah, no, I hear that. Yes. Uh, so speak on, um, you know, Thespian Festival is going virtual. Uh, that was announced, yes. I guess, a week ago. Uh, a week ago, as we record this, so a couple weeks now. Once once this is released, but um, the it's it's exciting. You know, it's it's uh, uh, a, a brand new thing that could eventually sort of morph into a portion of the face-to-face -face. you know you never know what's going to stick and what students and teachers are going to like and obviously they're going to tell us what they like and what they don't like because uh, nobody has an opinion like a theater teacher but uh <laughs> we, you know and we appreciate that because i'd rather i'd rather have an opinion than them just sit silently and have to make decisions based on nothing um but right right but the you know, the, the excitement and the, the, the anxiety and somewhat fear of, oh man, let's just all take a nosedive into this together. But there's a team, there's a huge team uh, with you as the, uh, your, your official title is with the thespian board, your, your state festival. Yeah. I'm, so I'm the vice president of the organization. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on the executive board um, with a couple of other individuals. And I'm also the state chapter, uh, not state chapter, uh, state festival director. State festival. So, um, and I've been doing that for so long, yeah. um, probably seven or eight years now. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the man behind the spreadsheet yeah. uh, at the Gaylord. <laughs> yeah. And so when this all came out, it was, it was like an immediate like call to action, yeah. if you will, um, of, okay, here's what we offer. This is how beneficial it is. Um, because, you know, I was looking through the yearbook uh, with the kiddos that I had this year and through their banquet and their videos that they submitted. And so many of them talked about that Thespian Festival experience yep. was a highlight for them every year. And, you know, the idea of schools not being able to go back in person or having to do virtual only or may not go back at all. It was terrifying because mm -hmm. there's so much value that the students pull out of Thespian Festival that we create, then sometimes that we don't even get to see the value that they put in there. Um, that when this came up as an option, it was like, let's go for it. Um, and so for the virtual side of things, it was how can we make sure that you guys are engaged in workshops and getting to do your thespies and representing your troop and still have that social interaction that 8,000 people gets you. Um, and it's, it's, it's become a challenging, but good challenging process to find the right solutions to those to recreate that Thespian experience. Um, I have a wonderful team of people that I work with um, on multiple Thespian boards. Um, and so sharing those ideas and kind of coming up with solutions to those challenges was really cool because it helped kind of guide us into what's the best platform and path that's going to work for our directors. Uh, and also not add additional stress. Um, our, our goal this year is to provide as much content uh, that we can for teachers to use in their classrooms to engage with their students that are either, uh, you know, virtual or in person to person. Um, through this event, we're going to do four Super Saturdays. Uh, so that way you don't have to worry about taking out a sub or getting your kids out of class. We, we thought that was um, a good way to kind of give you an opportunity to refuel uh, for the coming weeks and after that. So each one of those Saturdays, we're going to have workshops. Uh, we're going to have guest artists, keynote speakers. Uh, there's going to be some really fun interactive uh, events that happen through those Super Saturdays. Uh, of course, we're still offering all of our competitions uh, that we normally do. Some of them have changed a little bit because they're a little hard to do without being in person, but the group has come up with some cool solutions for that. And 
ultimately all of the content that we put out there, whether it's a live uh, workshop where you get to interact with a guest artist or it's a pre-recorded workshop that you can reference later, um, all of that stuff is going to be available to our Thespian attendees until January 2021. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing, um, even though we are now virtual, we're trying to add in that curriculum component so that way our teachers uh, have a little bit more uh, options to pull from when they're looking at curriculum for whatever the fall brings them uh, in their attendance options at school. So it was kind of like a, how do we do all the things we normally do and then elevate it? And I think that we have really solidified on some solutions to that. And it's going to be impressive. Uh, I, every time I go through and talk with um, one of our uh, product managers on the event platform, I, I just get fired up and excited because it is going to look unlike any other virtual festival you think you might go to. Yeah. Because a lot of people think virtual festival and you're like, oh, like yeah. I'm going to have to sit on a Zoom meeting forever. Uh, this is not that. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is not that at all. Um, some of them will be Zoom. Uh, some of them will be pre-recorded. Uh, there are, there's going to be vendors and colleges and all kinds of really cool interactive opportunities um, for the troops and the teachers. So we're we're trying to make it as uh, valuable as possible for the registration um, price that we put out. So yeah. hopefully teachers will pick it up and run with it. Um, I know the students at Morton Ranch were excited about Leadership Day. Uh, and how that's kind of developed into its own uh, event throughout the fall. So they were really pumped about that. And then, of course, a lot of states have canceled their events. Uh, and so we're really fortunate to... Uh, Uh-oh. The dog. Those, hey, are the, those, are, those are the other states uh, fighting right now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, some of the other states had to cancel events, and even some events in Texas yeah. uh, you know, got postponed. And so... We're, we are fortunate as an organization to be able to um, provide all of this. Uh, and I think that's really stands behind our mission. And um, I want to make sure that all the teachers know and the students know Thespians is here for you. That, that's our job. That's who we serve. And so if there are suggestions or ideas, and even like you said, if you have uh, comments on how it went and what we could change, we're always open to make this better. We are here to serve. And so um, I'm just blessed that we have that opportunity to do that this year. Minor wisdom.